0: Confession, when, when I first saw that video, the thought that went through my mind was, Pinterest is invading my church. <laughs> I mean, Pinterest has invaded my home. Uh, I mean, I, between Pinterest and Chip and Joanna Gaines, Carmen, we're, we're going to have projects until Jesus comes back, right? That's kind of how it feels uh, around our house. If you would have told me a decade ago that this last Christmas, that I would have gotten my wife a catch this, scroll saw for Christmas and not gotten in trouble, I would have never, never believed you. And here's another confession. When she told me she wanted a scroll saw, I was not 100% sure what a scroll saw was. (laughs) We're in our third week of a series around journey here that we're calling Renew Your Soul. Just by the nature of that title, I think you've gotta hear what we're saying there is that our soul sometimes needs to be renewed. It can get weathered a little bit, it can get tired, it can get worn out, it can feel heavy at times, it can feel dry. And there's a lot of reasons that that can happen to us. It can just be the circumstances of life, just the things that we're going through, illness, events in life, lots of things can make us feel weathered on the inside. But sometimes the things that cause us to need to be renewed is some self-inflicted things, things that we do to ourselves. What I'm talking about today is I'm talking about our personal sin and I'm talking about brokenness. That's what we're going to talk about today. But I want to just say right up front, if you're new to journey, new to church, or maybe you've been away from church for a while and you just found your way back. And as soon as I said, we're going to talk about sin and brokenness, something in you said, man, I don't want to be a part of a church like that. I don't want to be a part of a church that's going to beat me over the head with my sin. I want to just put you at ease right now that I don't believe that we're that kind of church. And I hope that the, thing, the way we talk about what we're going to talk about today, I hope will prove that to you. But I also want to make it really clear that we're the kind of church that wants to be real. We want to talk about the things that are really happening in our lives, the things that really need to be changed in our lives. Because what I know is this whole thing of sin and brokenness, it's something that I need help with. And I know that you need help with it as well. So we're not gonna dodge these issues. We've got to talk about them because we're all dealing with them. We all have hurt from our past that we're dealing with. We all have habits in our life that we're just having a hard time getting over that are destructive in our life. We all have hangups, things that we just can't get past. Every one of us has something in our past that oftentimes just has that way of denying on us, just keep calling us back to our past. Or maybe it's our present present. There's just something that's going on right now. There's just almost more than I can deal with. I just can't get over it. I can't get through it. This sin and brokenness, I can't get through. Or maybe you're just on the edge of something. You're about ready to take a step into a place that you know that God doesn't want you to go, that's gonna bring devastation into your life. We're all there. We're all dealing with all of those things. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Let's just say that going in. Because we need to go to the right place help and the reason that I know that it's not just me and it's not just you is that when I read the story of God we don't even get to about page one and a half and sin and brokenness enters the world I mean God had two people on the planet just two and sin and brokenness comes into the world as long as people have been around sin and brokenness has been around it's not just you it's not just me God gave those first two people one command. He said, don't eat of this tree. One command, here's how they responded. Genesis chapter three, starting in verse six. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, their eyes were opened and they realized that they were naked. For the first time, as sin and brokenness entered the world, they saw it. And here was their response to it. It says, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. As soon as sin and brokenness entered the world and they began to see that in themselves, their immediate response was, I want to hide. I want to hide from you. I don't want you to see me. I don't want you to see the things that are broken inside of me. I don't want you to see the sin that is inside of me. They wanted to hide from each other. But they didn't want to just hide from each other. They thought that somehow they were gonna be able to hide from God as well. Good luck with that. Verse eight says this, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden but then I think this is significant but the Lord called to the man where are you? where are you? what was going on there? I mean were Adam and Eve just really awesome at hide and seek? is that what's happening there? Or is God just not a very good babysitter? He just loses track. He has two people. There's going to be billions someday. He has two people and he can't find them. Doesn't know where they're at. That's not what's happening. What we see there is that God is pursuing them even in their brokenness. But then Adam responds to him, verse 10. He says, he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. We want to hide. We wanna hide our sin. We wanna hide our brokenness. We wanna hide from each other. And we wanna do our best to try to hide from God as well. Now we don't use fig leaves anymore. We get a little bit more sophisticated than that. I don't think most of you are using fig leaves to try to hide from one another. We use things like denial. Like if I just deny what's going on in me and just pretend that it's not there, if I don't see it, nobody else sees it either. We use denial. Sometimes we use blame. You know, I I see this thing in me, but it's not my fault, it's their fault. You did this to me. I'm just responding to the things that you're doing to me. And that just gives us this incredible ability to be able to justify and rationalize anything. If you were in the circumstances that I'm in, you'd do the same thing. If you had my mother, if you knew who she was, you'd be doing the exact same thing. If you had my husband, if you had my wife, we just justify everything. And we just want to project something that's false sometimes. When we're not proud about the things that are happening, we just want the world to think that everything is better than it really is. Like what would it be like on social media if we posted what was really going on in the depths of our heart and mind? There wouldn't be as many smiley emojis as there is today, would there? We want to hide, we want to project something that's very different. We don't use fig leaves, but in some ways we haven't changed. We try to hide, try to hide from God and we try to hide from people. But you know what else hasn't changed? God hasn't changed either. To me, as I was reflecting on this text, one of the most powerful things that came out of my time was just that thought that in their sin and brokenness, God came to them and he was yelling to them, where are you? Where are you? Come out of hiding. Because here's what we know. God wasn't asking, where are you? Because he didn't know where they were. He knew exactly where they were. He knew everything that had happened in them. He knew everything that was lost. But at the same time, God said, I'm going to continue to pursue you. I see you. I see you and I know the things that are going on. I know what you're carrying. You know what else God wants us to know? He wants us to know that I can help you. I can help you. God would be shouting to every person in this room today, where are you? I see you. I know the things that are going on. Don't hide anymore. Don't hide anymore. I'm not a God that you have to hide from. Come out into the open with me. God invites us to bring his help into, his, into our lives. But how do we do that? Because our natural tendency, friends, it's always gonna be to hide. But here's what we're gonna talk about today. God's solution to those sin and brokenness things in our life, he doesn't want us to hide. He actually wants us to do the 180 of that, which is confess. He wants us to bring those things out into the open with him and with other people. It's not about hiding, it's about confessing, acknowledging, just admitting what is true, what is really happening inside of us. That's what God invites us to. And in this series, we've been looking at a series of the Psalms. And today we're gonna look at a Psalm of confession by King David, one of the greatest kings ever. But this is a Psalm of confession. And we're gonna learn from this. What is God's perspective on confession. And what is his instruction? What does he want us to know? Psalm 32, starting in verse one, this is what David says. He says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. See, when David here is talking about this idea of that renewed soul, He uses a word to describe that, and he uses the word "blessed." If we were to look at like the range of what that word means, that word means happy. That word means a deep sense of joy, a deep sense of fulfillment, a deep sense of passion and contentment with all of life around us. That's the blessed life. That's the renewed soul. When I think about this picture of the blessed life, I think about someone with the sun on their face just taking a deep breath and exhaling. And then there's just that sense of calm. Everything is okay in the world. That's what David's talking about. That's the blessed life, the happy life. But David also tells us that there's something that wars against that sense of blessed life He talks about sin. He talks about transgression. He talks about our brokenness, the enemy of the blessed life. And here's what he says. For us to be in that place of blessing, that belongs to those who what? He says, whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered over, whose sins the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. David said those are the things that need to be true if we're gonna live the blessed life, those things. But as we continue in the psalm, what we're gonna see is that David is not experiencing the blessed life. Actually, he's experiencing something exactly the opposite of that. And the reason was is because David is just like us. He's just like Adam and Eve. He's trying to hide. This is what David says as we continue in the psalm, verse three, he says, when I kept silent, meaning when I kept my mouth shut, when I didn't say anything, when I was hiding, trying to cover up, trying to keep quiet about the things that were going on in my life, he says, here's what happened. He said, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me and my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Friends, when we carry sin, when we carry brokenness, guilt, shame in our life? Have you ever experienced that, what David is experiencing there? That just sense that your insides are just kind of grinding. Like my bones are wasting away. My gut is just eating away at me. And he, he talks about God's hand was heavy upon him. Have you ever just felt that? When you're dealing with sin, your sin and brokenness in life, you just feel like there's weight on you. There's nothing there, but physically somehow it feels like there's weight on my soul. We've all been there. We all know what that feels like. And David wants us to understand that sin and not dealing with it, the sense of brokenness, can lead to lots of other devastating things in our lives. This kind of dealing with guilt in our life, it can be devastating to our relationships in life. One of the things that I've seen in life, in me and in other people, is that when we try to bury things in our life, it doesn't work very well. We try to keep these things hidden, it doesn't work very well. They're gonna come out. And normally they're gonna come out in ways that we don't want. They're gonna come out in anger toward people. They're gonna come out in bitterness toward people. There's gonna be incredible impatience with people around us. There's gonna be overreactions to the circumstances of life. When we're dealing with guilt and shame in our life, it's not good when we suppress those things. And it hurts our relationship in this way too. We want to hide. We want to keep people at a distance. Because if people start to get close to me, they might look in and they might see the things that are happening there. And who knows what they will think. Who knows how they'll respond. So it hurts our relationships because we're committed to keeping people only so close. We don't absolutely let them in. You know the real twisted part of people that are dealing with guilt and shame is... Oftentimes we can be in that place and what we want to do to make ourselves feel better because of how we're feeling is that we want to leverage guilt and shame into the lives of other people. Because of how I feel about myself, I want you to feel that about yourselves. Some of the people that are the most judgmental oftentimes are the people that are the most guilty because they're trying to leverage that in the life of other people. And guilt and shame, friends, it can just keep us stuck in our past, we're just constantly replaying the tapes of what happened to me, the things that I did, the things that I can't get over. And the enemy, he loves that. He loves nothing more than to remind you of the things that you've done. He is the heaper of guilt and shame in your life. He's the one who keeps playing those tapes in your mind. And you know, you dealing with things from our past, we have more than enough stuff coming at us in our future. The things that are in front of us are difficult enough to deal with in life without having to deal with the things from our past. And the evil one wants to bring those things over, wants to keep us stuck in our past. That's where David was. He was stuck in that and he was wasting away inside it. He just felt like the weight of the world was on him. There's some of you out there that you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. You're feeling those exact same things. What did David do? How did he respond to that weight? Did he just try to up his game? Try to cover it up even more? Try to project more faults into the world? Everything's okay even though it's not? Is that what David did? Did he just allow his heart to get cold and hard? Not at all. He did something exactly the opposite and he invites us to do the same. Verse five, here's what David did. He says, then I acknowledged my sin to you, And I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Really simply, what David is saying is, I just came clean. I was just honest. I was honest with God. I was honest with people. I just let it be out there. I just let the, let the light of day into the things that were happening in my life. And then David tells us, what God's response was to him. He says, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. That word is almost always translated forgive there, but a literal translation of it would say, the Lord lifted away. God took away from me. He lifted that weight that was upon me. That's what David said happened when he came clean with God. Friends, here's what I believe is true. We're still the same. We still have sin and brokenness. But God is still the same. He is that same God that responded to David. He wants to respond to you. He's standing there today and he's saying, where are you? Where are you? You don't have to hide. You don't have to hide. Come into the light. You don't have to fear me. Come in to the light. Come into the light with me and also come into the light with people. Be brutally honest with people, safe people about what's going on in your heart and mind because that's where change is gonna happen. That's where transformation happens when we just get honest with God and honest with people. That opens up the door for that blessed life that David's talking about. Honest with God and honest with people. Now there might be some of you out there that are familiar with the 12 step program. You've been a part of that, that's impacted you. There's part of you that's hearing this right now and in your mind, you're just saying, duh, absolutely get it together church, figure it out. This is how change happens. The fifth step in AA says this, we have admitted to God and to ourselves and to another human being. The exact nature of all of our wrongs. The reason that that helps so many people is this simple principle of what God talks about in his word. It's confession. It's just being honest with him, honest with ourselves, and honest with another person, getting eyeball to eyeball with another person and talking about the exact nature of our wrongs. Not twisting it, not shading it, but this is what's really going on. Friends, that's what we need. We need to be honest. And this is who I think we need to be honest with. We need to be honest with fellow sinners. People that are just like us. That are safe and they care about us. And they're willing to come alongside us. That's what we need. You know what you don't need? You don't need a bunch of judgmental people in your life. I know you don't need that. You don't need someone who's gonna poke their finger in your chest. You don't need someone that's gonna cross their arms and look down their nose at you, make you feel even more guilty than you did before. You need people that'll speak truth into your life but also come alongside you and care about you as you're honest about the things that are really happening in your life. This is how James, the brother of Jesus, he described the same idea in the book that he wrote in the New Testament that has the name James, obviously, James 5.16, this is what he says, kind of emphasizing this point. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other. To each other. When we read that Psalm of David, we can kind of think that there was just this interaction that was happening between David and God. That's not what confession is all about. Confession is beyond that. It's about talking to people. When we read the full breadth of what the Bible teaches us, about confession. It's about getting it out into the open with people. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. God knows, James knows, and he wants you to know that it's about bringing things out into the open, not just with God, but with people that brings about a transforming thing in our life. This week, as I was meeting with my life transformation group, and there's a piece of that where we're just honest with each other about some of the things that are going on in the deep places of our life. I just communicated to them why that's so important for me because I'm just like everybody else. I wanna cover up. I want them to think that I'm better than I really am. I want them to think that their pastor is a, this amazing godly guy, but there's things in my life that I've just, I gotta say to them. And this is why. What I've found in my life is that sins that I only confess to God I tend to repeat. Sins that I only confess to God, I tend to repeat. I just see this thing in my life where I can get really comfortable having conversations with God about sin and brokenness in my life. It's like, God, here I am again, same thing. You know, this is the deal. We're cool, right? Yeah, we're cool. Round and around and around. But there is something. I don't know why this is. I don't even know how it works. But when I look eyeball to eyeball with another person, And I just say, guys, here's the deal. There's something that changes. There's something that transforms. God wants us to bring our lives into the light with other people. Well, if that's gonna bring blessing, then why wouldn't all of us do that? If that's gonna bring the lifting, this experiencing of the forgiveness of God, why wouldn't every one of us do that? It seems silly not to. One word, one word, at least for me, and that one word is fear. I'm afraid. What are people gonna think? If my friends know the things that are really going on in the deep places of my heart, are they gonna wanna be my friend? Are they gonna want me to be their pastor? What about the consequences? There's some things that I know that people in this room are carrying that if you're honest about, there's gonna be consequences to bring that out. There's gonna be ripple effects into the lives of other people. And we think because there might be consequences or because it might get messy, that we need to step back and not be honest. Sometimes friends, confession, it makes life messy. There was a time in my life in ministry with college students that God was working in just kind of a unique way among the lives of students. He was just like breaking through. And what was happening was people were getting really honest about the real things that were happening in their life. And as they began to confess that, not only to God, but to each other, there was just this incredible transformation That happened in the lives of people. And other people were starting to watch that in the lives. And you could just see that people, like, I want that, but I'm not sure that I want the path to that. And that led one student to come and meet with me after a meeting. He said, Can I talk with you? And I said, Absolutely. As we sat down, he said, There's this thing that I'm carrying. And I just feel like I've got to be honest about it. I just feel the weight of this. But I'm afraid. I'm afraid to share it. I've got to confess something to my boss. At the time, I had no idea what it was that he needed to confess. But I told him, this is what I've experienced. I know what it's like to hide. I know what it's like to pretend. I know what it's like to put on falsehood. And it is exhausting and tiring and it's no fun at all. But I also, I know what it's like to be free. I know what it's like to be honest. And I know it feels uncomfortable in the moment, but that freedom is worth everything in the world. I just said, if I were you, I'd get really honest with your boss. And he did. I didn't know what had happened. See, he was a pharmacy student and he was working as his internship right before he graduated and he was stealing prescription drugs from his boss. And to do that, this was the potential ripple effects of that. I lose my internship. I don't graduate it. I've just given a half a decade of my life getting this degree, doing really well. I'd be walking away from everything. And there could be legal action Involved with that. They get pretty uptight when you start stealing prescription drugs from pharmacies. But he just said it was worth it. It was worth it just to be honest. I remember asking him, do you have any regret? And I just remember him smiling and saying, no regret. It matters to be free. Friends, I realize the things that I'm talking about, getting really honest with God and with people, it can create some ripples. It can create some ripples right away. But the benefit is far beyond anything that you could imagine. The last thing that David talks with us about is he talks with us a little bit about what is the the basis of our forgiveness, the basis of this lifting of our sin? Is it it our confession? Is it our confession that accomplishes, accomplishes our forgiveness, that lifting? It's not our confession, friends. It's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's what he did for us. That's the bedrock. That's the foundation of this forgiveness and why we can be free. Here's how David talked about that as we continue. Verse six, he says, therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. And then here's what David says. This is why he says, you don't have to hide because this is what he knew. God, you... You, God, are my hiding place. I don't have to hide because you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. God, I don't have to hide because you are my hiding place. You alone are my hiding place. Christ and Christ alone, what He accomplished for us on the cross, is the only basis, the only foundation for our forgiveness. It's not our confession. Our confession just allows us to experience what God has already done for us. The basis of it is the gospel, what Jesus has done for us. You see, in the gospel, what it tells us is that Jesus was uncovered, He was naked on a cross. He was completely uncovered, physically, spiritually, emotionally. Why was he uncovered? So that you could be covered. Jesus on the cross, he was beaten. Why was it that Jesus was beaten? So that you would no longer have to beat yourself up over your sin. He took it. The basis of our forgiveness has and always will be the cross of Christ. So when we talk about confession, friends, there's a piece of it that's about getting honest, ruthlessly honest with God and with people, but just as important, just as important as confessing is believing the gospel. When you confess your sins one to another and pray for each other, what you need to pray is, God, remind me of the truth of the gospel because it's not until that's in the deep places of us that we realize that there is incredible freedom If we don't realize that, we will never come clean. We will always want to hide. Friends, it's the gospel. It's the only basis of our salvation, what Jesus has done for us. Several weeks ago, uh, you know, I I know a few weeks in advance, the text that I'm gonna be teaching on, and so I've just been kind of mulling over Psalm 32. It's one of my favorites. When you're a sinner like me, you spend a lot of time in a chapter like this. But I was thinking about it and just thinking like, how would you tell a story that would kind of capture what you experience when God breaks in in that way? And a few weeks ago, I was sitting here after a sermon and a couple came up, dear friends of mine. And she said, I just wanna share with you a way that God is breaking into my life right now. And as she began to share with me, what was going on in my mind was, I believe it was God's spirit saying, that's Psalm 32, She's talking about Psalm 32. This is Psalm 32. And so she hadn't even quite finished yet. And I asked her, I just said, would you be willing to tell your story to even a little bit bigger group? And uh, she looked at me confused. Her husband wasn't confused because he pointed to the screens from right there. (laughs) She turned around and saw the screens and her eyes got kind of big. And it's like, uh, I'll pray about it. Well, she prayed about it. She said, yes. And I want you to hear Carissa's story.
1: I have been struggling with bearing the burden of baggage, shame, and lies, held captive to array of sins committed against me and sin I have committed. The Lord told me I was to confess. I asked Him who, how, when. First He told me the woman I was to confess to. Then He provided the prayer that was not my words that gave me strength until the time was right to confess. The Word was so alive and has been so alive for me. Psalm 32 really describes exactly how I felt holding so much baggage in my heart. I feel like the Lord really has been helping me unpack that baggage. And it has been a slow process, and it has been all kinds of big things first. I felt like there was one major sin, Ick, of my heart that I couldn't unpack, and I didn't know how I was supposed to do that. The Holy Spirit prompted me that this was one I needed to bring to another person. I was at a discipleship meeting with a woman who's discipling me, and she starts asking me these questions. The further we get, the more the Holy Spirit is stirring in me that I have a confession I need to make. My instinct was no, I don't want to confess anything. And by the time I got to my car, I knew in my heart that the Lord had asked me to confess this to her. I drove away with a peace and a hope, in a sense, but my mind was so agitated. The Lord was really uh, pushing me, and I felt like my bones couldn't take it. I felt like I was going to drown if I didn't address it. One Sunday, Bob declared that Jesus offers freedom, and anything holding us captive is not of Him. He asked us to write down the sin that we needed to surrender to the cross, and in that moment, I made my confession. The Lord graciously granted me this baby step, and in a few words, the stronghold of sin came crashing down around me, and I knew a full confession to a mature Christian was all that lay between me and complete peace and restoration. She came over, and I felt like I was going to burst. But of course, she said, of course, you know, confess. I prayed over us and I felt like I released the floodgates and I got to reveal the ick of my heart and the things and the self-condemnation that I had been holding over myself. It was so powerful because I was laughing by the end of it. I was so terrified to tell her because she disciples me and she leads my Bible study and I see her all the time, twice a week at least. But all that fell away. I think I chose to be obedient because I didn't know any other way out and I knew that this was an opportunity to really just take a leap of faith. Um, Even though it was hard and I didn't know what the outcome would be, I was pretty sure that if the Holy Spirit was prompting me that um, He would take care of it, and He did. The Lord gave me a vision the day after my confession and I carried away from it a conviction of His love. There was a warm meadow before me, and a thick, dark wood behind. My arms were outstretched, and I could feel the blades of grass between my fingers. There was a clear blue sky, with the sun shining down, kissing my arms and face with beads of light. I walked out into the meadow without fear, shame, or self-condemnation. All at once, the light descended, and I became completely overwhelmed by the light. I couldn't tell where my arms started or ended, and as I looked for my own hands, I found myself in an embrace. Jesus' arms were around me, and as He held me, He whispered in my ear, You are free. With the precious gift of His perspective, He granted me His view of myself as He ascended, and I was weightless and free, weeping and dancing. Jesus had declared over me that I was indeed free, and he gave me the opportunity to claim that freedom over my own life. I surveyed the vast space below me and before me, and I felt strong. As that vision disappeared and my heavenly encounter ended, I was so overwhelmed with gratitude and unconditional love. For the first time in about 28 years, I'm comfortable in my own skin. I don't have to hide behind any lies, little ones or big ones, and I feel like that has absolutely shown me the love and mercy and the power that Jesus really, really wants on me and in my life. I'm so grateful because I've gotten to see how, how much God actually loves me. Freedom is his gift.
0: As we kind of land the plane here today, I just want to say that this confession thing, it, it, it's not like a one and done thing. It's not like there's just this one thing in our life. It's, it's cultivating a lifestyle of honesty before God and before people. It's become a regular rhythm of our life that we're talking about things that are going on underneath. And I want to share with you a little bit, if I can help try to make sense of how I've seen this work in my own life. Is oftentimes what I see is like this little tissue sticking out of here. God starts to surface something in my life. Sometimes just a little bit. And I can look at it and, and I can make a decision as to what I want to do. And like I've said, my, oftentimes I just want to kind of tuck it back in. I just want to hide it. I just I don't, don't want to deal with it. But as the Spirit starts to make things more evident in our life, I've got a decision to make just like David had a decision to make. And I think the best decision is when we just pull that out and we hold it up to God and we hold it up to people around us and we say, this is the deal. This is what's really going on. And we allow God to lift that from us. So we experience his love, experience his forgiveness and we let it go. But here's what happens is we turn around and it's like, oh my gosh, there's another thing right there. I mean, I just dealt with that. Then there's another thing and another thing and another thing and another thing and another thing. Friends, it's not gonna stop till we go to be with him. There's always gonna be things and we're always gonna be having to make the decision. What am I gonna do with what God surfaces in my life? Am I gonna try to hide? Am I gonna try to blame people? Am I gonna try to deny it? Am I gonna try to justify it? Or am I gonna just get honest with God and honest with people? Because here's what's true, friends. That same God, he stands there and he's saying, where are you? Where are you? You don't have to hide. You don't have to hide. And why don't we have to hide, friends? Because he, through Christ, has become our hiding place. No more hiding because he's become our hiding place. As we wrap up, I want you to put your things aside, but there's some questions I want you to ask yourself as we move to a reflection time together. And the questions would be this, what do I need to tell? What is it that God is starting to surface in my life? What do I need to tell? Who do I need to tell? And when am I gonna tell him? God, I just wanna say thank you that you are a God that pursues, that you are a God that comes to us And continually keep saying, where are you? Where are you? God, you invite us into the light. You invite us into the open. God, I pray for me and I pray for my friends here in this spiritual family. God, that you give us courage to follow you into the light. God, that we would get really, really honest with you and really, really honest with ourselves and really, really honest with each other. Thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to be uncovered so that we could be covered. Thank you for the freedom that only the cross provides for us. We ask you to move in our lives and move in our church today. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net.
1: If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.